Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak podcast. I am Nikki Ivey, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. I hope you're having a great week. This week's podcast, I want to talk about motivation. I want to talk about your dog's motivation. What is behind your dog's motivation for whenever he is doing good or possibly even when he's doing bad? What can you use to motivate him to do the behaviors that you would like to have? So I want to start out talking about the motivation behind your dog's behavior. You know, if a dog offers a behavior because it is wanting something positive such as attention, treats, maybe it's food, maybe a toy, maybe it wants to have an opportunity to go meet another dog. And if your dog is offering behavior because it is wanting something, then that is a really good motivation. That means that the dog is understanding that you have expectations and that there are certain behaviors that will earn him the things that he wants. So it, it opens up a very clear path of communication. However, if your dog is motivated by doing a behavior because of fear, there is a problem. And that's how aversive training is used. So if I have a dog who is walking nicely with its owner, um, but it's walking nicely for fear of a leash correction or a buzz on the shock collar, then is that dog really doing the behavior because it really wants to, because it knows what it's supposed to do, or is the dog doing the behavior for fear of the repercussions, for fear of that correction, that painful um, shock of the collar? So when I see a dog who is doing a behavior motivated by fear, 
then I don't consider that dog being well trained. And I see a lot of a lot of dogs out there by professional trainers that use aversive techniques and they put shock collars on the dog and they carry around a remote control and then they want to show off at how well their dog is behaving. When for me, I look at it and go, well, to me, that dog is not really behaving. The dog is just doing what it has to do to prevent you from shocking them. So the motivation behind the dog's behavior is not a good one. And if we're teaching that way, it's very detrimental to the dog's health, physically, emotionally. And if you can imagine that if you went to work and you did your job just for fear of being fired instead of doing your job because of the paycheck, well, I think you'd be probably a little more miserable. Now, you may be miserable in your job, and I really hope that you're not, and I hope that you find something that is makes you happy every day. I am completely blessed that I get to do that. But if you're motivated just to work, just so you don't get fired, then your quality of work is probably going to be a lot lower than the quality of work you give because of the paycheck, the bonuses. So think about that. So if we're looking at a dog and the dog is doing a behavior for fear of being fired, for fear of having that shock or correction, is the quality of the behavior as high as it would be if the dog is doing it to earn something, to earn rewards, to earn something that they want. So I want you to just think about that for a second. And now ask yourself, does my dog do behavior that I want him to do because he's motivated by fear? Or is he motivated by the rewards that he could possibly earn? And if your dog is doing behavior motivated by fear, that's really not a good place to be. It's not a good place for you. It's not a good place for the dog. Because if the dog is doing that, then more than likely there are other behavior issues that are taking place, such as anxiety, fears and phobias, possible separation anxiety, submissive urination. And your dog is not being the dog that it can be. So I really want you to focus on teaching your dog how to do the behavior that you want by motivating them using whatever motivates them to change their motivation for doing the behavior. That was a lot of motivation right there. So if your dog is earning, trying to earn rewards, and that's why they're doing the behavior, then the motivation is on the right side of the tracks. So then we need to find other things that will motivate the dog to learn new behavior. And sometimes that's the dog's kibble. Sometimes the kibble is motivation enough. Sometimes treats and the dog just wants different kinds of treats and that's the main motivator. Sometimes it's a chance to go into the dog park or a chance to play with the ball or a chance to go meet and greet somebody, a chance to get off the leash, a chance to tug. So, you know, you want to find things that motivate your dog to do the behavior that you want him to do. You don't always have to just use food, but you do want to get creative. I will do a lot of times of training where I'll use food, yes, but then if I have a dog who loves to tug, I will absolutely use that tug toy as a motivator to do the behavior I'm asking. So if the dog wants to tug with me and I ask the dog to sit, then the dog knows I have to sit in order for the game to begin. And that's 
where I'll use that tug as a play, at the same time teaching expectations. I can also work on things like drop it during the tug. I can ask for a behavior in the middle of a tug, such as sit, so that the dog learns to stay tuned into me no matter what we're doing physically, mentally. It's teaching the dog that the dog has to respond to me on a regular basis. Now, some dogs don't like tug. If they don't like tug, or it's not a big thing for them, then I'm probably not going to have a whole lot of luck teaching them new behavior using the tug as a reward. So it has to be worth it. You know, for me, I hate running. And if somebody said, hey, Nikki, look, I'm going to give you 20 bucks if you will go run a mile. That's just not motivation enough for me. That 20 bucks is just not a big enough reward for me to run a mile because I hate running. But if somebody said, you know what, I'm going to give you $1,000 if you go run a mile. I don't care how long it takes you, but you got to run. I'm going to give you 1000 bucks. Yeah, I'm probably going to go run. I'm not going to really enjoy the process, but I'll enjoy it more knowing that I'm going to have a good reward at the end of that. So your dog may find that that 20 bucks isn't worth it. You've got to find that $1,000, which is why we have different levels of reward and your dog will tell you what that is. Good example, I had a little beagle mix that I was working with and really getting this dog to focus on listening to the commands in high arousal situations. Now, high arousal situations for this beagle is basically anywhere where there's smell. And so I really had a hard time with this dog getting any type of focus because the treats that I had, they were yummy, but they were just that $20 bill. So we found a small spot where this dog could dig because the dog loved to dig and go hunting in the ground for animals. So we used the digging as a reward for doing the behavior that I ask. So I would ask the beagle to do a behavior. If the beagle did it, I would release the dog and let the dog go dig for about 30 seconds to a minute. And then I would give the dog a different command or I would go get the dog do some other things with the dog, and then maybe ask for a different behavior than just, say, walking around on a leash or maybe just, you know, a sit or a stay. I might ask for a down, or I might ask for something like a touch just to get the dog to, again, stay focused on me and listening to the things that I want him to do. I don't really have a whole lot of reasoning behind the behaviors that I ask. I just stick to things that I know the dog knows really well, and doesn't have to sit and think about it too much. So sit is a pretty big one that dogs do on a regular basis and learn fairly easily. So sit is a good one to use. But then I'll usually ask the dog to do something, and then if the dog does it fast enough with just maybe one or two commands, then I'll release the dog and let him go dig. And so after a few times, the dog starts to figure out that, hey, if I just do this and I do it fast, I can go back to digging and I get to dig. And if you... If you do this on a regular basis, the dog starts to understand that, hey, if I just listen to what my owners want, then I can go do the things that I want. And I did that with another dog who loved to chase the cat. Now, the cat enjoyed it as well most of the time, and the dog was friendly with the cat. It was just a plaything. But in order to earn the right to go chase the cat for a game, the dog would have to do something. Now, I only recommend this if your cat enjoys playing with your dog. Please don't do this if your dog scares the cat. 
but it's just another thing that the dog knows that, hey, I want X, Y, and Z, so in order to get that, I need to make sure that I'm doing whatever mom is asking me to do. And when, and when a dog understands that, it makes a dog much faster at responding, and it puts the dog in a little bit more of a controlled um, state so that the dog has more self-control so he can stay focused and tuned into you in those different environments. So one of the things I would love to see you do this week is not only think about why is your dog doing the behavior that you want him to do? Why is he sitting when you ask? Why is he walking next to you when you walk? Is it because he's motivated out of fear or is he motivated out of the possibility of earning a reward? Now, sometimes dogs are motivated out of fear, not because something you've done, but something that is just fearful for them. So good example, I have a client who has a cute little poodle and she walks really well with her mom. And awfully, she is right by that leg and she's looking up at her and she's walking and it looks really, really pretty. But the problem is, is I know, and her mom is aware of this now, that she walks next to her because she's too afraid to venture out into new areas. She's too afraid to try new things because she has a lack of confidence. Now, this is nothing that mom has done. Mom's not corrected her for not walking next to her. But the dog itself is afraid to venture out. So, yes, the dog is walking nicely, but because it's motivated by the fear of new environments or new things, I'd rather see the dog not walk nicely and be interested in things around and be interested in sniffing or going to see another dog or a person. I would rather that dog not walk nicely right now and not be afraid to try new things instead of walking nicely because of fear. So sometimes a dog does good things because he's just too fearful to try. A lot of times I'll see pups that do have a confidence issue where people tell me they never do anything wrong. Okay, well, that's a problem because if they're not doing anything wrong, that means they're not trying anything new. Because let's face it, when you try something new, you're going to get some things wrong. So if your dog isn't doing anything wrong, then he's not trying anything new. And if he's not trying anything new, then he's not learning, which means that he doesn't have the confidence to try anything new. So his motivation of not ever getting in trouble is not because he's just a good dog, but because he's too scared to try anything new. I don't want the dog living like that. I want the dog to be willing to try new things and learn new things so that we change that motivation. Because if the dog is afraid to try new things, then there's all kinds of behavior issues that we're going to run into. So don't just be satisfied with your dog responding to you. You know, if, if you tell the dog to sit and it doesn't, and then your husband comes in, or you're even, you know, if, if your partner comes in and just changes that tone, it can be a male or a female, and says, sit, and the dog sits, yay, you got the behavior, but you got the behavior because the dog was afraid to not do the behavior. Instead of doing the behavior because it understood exactly what sit meant, and it wanted to do it because the possibility of earning something good. So, first and foremost, find out why your dog is behaving the way it is. What's it motivated by? And then secondly, I want you to put a list together of things that your dog is willing to work for. Everything that your dog sees as a reward, 
I want you to write it down. It can be something as simple as going outside, if that's a reward, or coming inside can be a reward. I want you to write those down, and then throughout the week, I want you to start putting them um, in numbered order of your dog's favorite. All right, what's number one? What's number two? What's number three? So that you know what your dog is really into and what your dog really enjoys, and you can use those things to help motivate him to, to learn new behavior. So let's take an example of, let's say that your dog loves lamb lung and your dog will do anything at home for lamb lung. So you make a point to use lamb lung when you're trying to get the dog in from potty. You use lamb lung when you want him to go in the crate. You use lamb lung when you want him to greet visitors nicely when they come in the front door. And so the dog loves his lamb lung. He'll do anything for it. So you use it a lot. Then you take your dog out and you take him out in public and you want him to learn how to behave in public. And you take lamb lung. Well, at this point, because the dog has gotten lamb lung so much in an environment that's not nearly as distracting, now the lamb lung is not going to work as well because it's not competing with the environment because the dog is getting lamb lung all the time in an environment that it doesn't really have to compete with. So if you have, if you have a dog who loves lamb lung, save that lamb lung for things that are really difficult. Save that lamb lung for when you go out in public when you're walking on leash, when you're trying to call the dog to you. Don't just use the dog's absolute favorite things for little behaviors that are fairly easy at this point. I'm not giving my dog its favorite reward for sitting in the house, in the living room with no distractions. I might in the very beginning when I'm teaching a puppy, but as the dog starts to age, I need to expect more from the dog in order to get the behavior that I want. Don't keep your dog in kindergarten. If you keep your dog in kindergarten, then you're going to be struggling with these problems throughout the dog's life. And trust me when I say that your dog will enjoy his life a lot more if you just teach him what he needs to do to, to help him enjoy life and go places with you and spend more time with you and be a part of the fun. The dog's going to enjoy it so much more and you're going to enjoy the dog more. But you've got to find those rewards that work. If your dog will not work for something, if your dog will not work for a piece of his kibble, then that kibble is no longer a, a reinforcer. That doesn't mean that you can't find a kibble that your dog will work for. But if your dog will not work for something, it is not a reinforcer for that dog. So lamb lung, if your dog doesn't like lamb, lamb lung is not going to be a reinforcer for your dog. It doesn't mean that the dog is not food motivated. It just means the dog doesn't care for lamb lung. So you have to find what it is. I have dogs who love to play with toys, but they'd much rather play with a ball than play with a tug toy. Right? So if he doesn't like the tug toy at all, then it's not a reinforcer. But yet I may have a Malinois who would tug all day long with me. And that might be the most highly rewarded item I can use for that particular dog where if I throw a ball they might think yeah that's fun but I'd much rather tug get my teeth in there and then there are other dogs who are like you know I, I could care less about tug so you have to find out what's rewarding to your dog just because one thing is rewarding to one dog doesn't mean it's going to be rewarding to another so you have to find out what's motivating for your dog what do you have to use I have some dogs who absolutely love it when I kind of throw a party 
And then I have some dogs that when I throw a party, they go the other direction because that makes them nervous. So a party is not reinforcing for them. With my puppy, she loves parties. She is a party girl. And that's very reinforcing for her. She likes that high-pitched. She likes me making noises and really kind of throwing a party. But then I have another dog who, Jake, of course, he can't hear as well anymore. But he wasn't big on parties. He's more of a subdue, like, I'll just take a piece of cheese or, you know, I'll eat a piece of bread. So it's, you know, you find out what's rewarding for each dog. And and don't sit around and say, well, my dog, you know, my last dog loved snossages. I don't know why my dog, why my new dog doesn't like it. My other dog loves snossages. I don't know what's wrong with this dog. He just doesn't like them. Well, he's a different dog. So just because you had something that motivated your last dog doesn't mean it's going to work with this dog. You have to find out what's motivating for your current dog. Take some ideas from your past. But you got to think about your current dog. And don't compare your current dog to your last dog or the dog before that or the dog before that. I've been there, done that. I sometimes still struggle with it because I've already had my perfect pooch. And she's been gone now about seven years. And my heart still breaks. But I can't compare her to my current dog because they're not the same and what motivated her is not the same thing that motivates the new dog so you've got to think about the dog now and think about opening up a line of communication with the dog now not the dog in the past but the dog right now focus on that dog what motivates them why are they doing the behavior that they are doing what's motivating them to chase the cat what's motivating them to chew on your furniture what's motivating them to not come in when called is there something out there that's really exciting to smell are there rabbits in the yard are there squirrels in the yard what can you do to be more rewarding than those smells what can you do to motivate your dog to come to you instead of sniffing are you only calling the dog to end the fun and bring the dog in or do you go out and call your dog to you from the backyard, reward them with something yummy, and then let them go, and go back and sniff the squirrels and the rabbits? Or are you only calling them to end the fun? Think about how you do things. Think about how you're interacting with your dog. Think about why is your dog not listening to you? If your dog is not listening to you, is it because they don't know what you want? Because they don't understand the word that you're putting in there? Or do they... You know, has the expectation been set? So many times people will say, well, I know my dog knows to sit. And I say, well, how do you know your dog can sit? Well, because every time I go in there to get their food bowl, I mean, I grab the food bowl, I don't even have to tell them. They just sit. Well, yeah, they know how to sit. They physically sit on a regular basis. But the question is, do they understand the word that you're putting with this behavior? Do they understand the word sit with the behavior putting butt on floor? If they don't, then they're not going to sit anywhere else when you ask them. And if you're not having to tell them sit at home, then you're missing the opportunity in acknowledging that behavior when they're doing it so they can learn that word. So, yeah, your dog physically knows how to sit, but does he actually understand the word? Is he motivated to learn the word? You know, is he sitting because it's going to earn something? Is he sitting because it just feels good to relax his butt? Or is he sitting for fear of being knocked upside the head for not sitting? You know, why is he, why is he sitting right now? What, what's motivating for him? And what can I do 
to make it more motivating so that I can put these words with it and get him to listen to me when I ask him. So you need to play around and find out what your dog likes, what your dog is willing to work for, teach the dog that he can think and use his brain, that you will give him rewards on a regular basis, that you're going to be clear in your communication, that you're not just going to expect your dog to read your mind or expect the dog to come to you or do the things he needs because he respects you. That respect, that word needs to be thrown away when it comes to dogs listening to you and minding you. Again, I don't want a dog to, oh, he listens to me because he knows I'm alpha. Oh, that's crap. Right? If he's listening to you and you think you're alpha, then more than likely you're using aversive techniques and your dog's listening to you because it's survival to not get beat or shocked or kicked or, you know, thrown on their back or whatever the case may be. You know, I'm going to listen so that you don't yell at me. And it's really the same thing if you think about people and your kids. Do your kids do the right thing because it's the right thing to do? Because that's the expectation you've set? Or do your kids do what they're supposed to do so you don't yell at them? So they don't get grounded? What's the motivation? You know, finding that right motivation is so important. And, you know, with, with kids and dogs, there's always going to be different things that motivate them. So you really do. You need to find out. And if you have multiple dogs in the home, it's maybe different with those dogs. Where ball is one thing, food is another. You just have to play with it and find out. But it is your job to find out because you are the 51% of the relationship. You are the leader. Not the alpha. Not the dominant one. You're the leader. You're the one that protects the pack. And every human in the house should be that. You set the expectations. You give the rewards. Right? There are consequences that you may have to put into play, but again, those consequences should not be physically or emotionally harming. And that includes aversive techniques. So why does your dog do what he does? What motivates him to do it? And what can you use to motivate your dog to do the behavior that you want Find that out. Find those different treats out. If your dog's not eating his food or if he won't work for his regular food, you need to change food. If I have a food that a dog is not willing to work for, then that food is not good enough. It is not good enough to feed twice a day. So think about it. If, if your dog's not willing to work for it, then it's not good enough to feed twice a day. There are so many different foods on the market. Go to dogfoodadvisor.com. And search foods and look for a top brand, a four and five star brand. Don't settle for anything less. Find something your dog is willing to work for and use that food to your advantage to teach them behavior. And if you've not watched the videos on our website, you should go and watch. There's a video on there about hand feeding and how we can use their kibble to teach behavior, to teach a dog to learn and think and use their brain and build their confidence but your dog has to be willing to work for it. So find out what that is. If your dog loves to dig, make him a sandbox. Build him a sandbox, put toys and, and rewards in there, and then maybe even close it off and only give access when you're working with the dog. So if I want the dog to go dig and I don't mind him digging, maybe I'll open it up, give him free access, 
And then I might start asking for behavior in order to keep the free access. You know, if I call the dog out of the sandbox and the dog doesn't come, and I know the dog knows come, please understand that you have to know that the dog knows the behavior, and it's clear, and the dog is consistent. If the dog doesn't come out of the sandbox when I call him, then I need to go get him, and I remove him, and I close the sandbox off for 30 seconds. I work with the dog and then give dog give the dog the access back. The dog needs to learn that, hey, if you just come to me when I call you, I'm not going to close off access. I might even give you a different treat, different reward, and let you go back. But you got to keep it to where the dog kind of stays interested. And if he always knows what that reward's going to be, that reward will get old. If he knows it's always going to be lamb lung, it gets old. He'll stop working for it. So you got to get creative. Find yourself many different rewards. And just because you use a, say, tug as a reward, doesn't mean that you have to keep those toys put up. The dog can still have access to those toys. It's just tugging with you. You control that. So, you know, you don't have to, to keep those things put away. And if you like fetch, the dog likes to fetch, you can play that game. And you don't even have to necessarily make the dog work during that game. That's just one way to start getting the dog to understand that in order to earn these rewards, there are expectations. And you have to listen in the middle of being excited. You don't have to keep these things away from them to use them. Okay, now, if you play fetch in the backyard every single day, and then you take him to the dog park and you want him to play fetch, more than likely he's going to be more interested in playing with the other dogs. Because playing with the other dogs is more rewarding than playing fetch. So again, your dog is communicating to you what is that reward. What's the motivation? All right, so that's your homework for this week. And that's what I want you to do. I really want you to, to think about it. And if you have some interesting rewards, your dog has some interesting rewards, please send us an email because we would love to just let other people know that, hey, these are some of the things that we're hearing. Maybe you should try this with your dog. Try that one with your dog. Because sometimes people can't think that much out of the box. I know sometimes I get stuck and I think, well, what else can I use as a reward? And sometimes I just have to kind of watch the dog and, and sometimes I just kind of pull it out of a hat and think, oh, you know what, I could use this. And then I try it and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So if you have some, some good rewards and some good things, send us a list and let us know about it. I'd be happy to share it um, on the podcast and let other people know as well. So anyway, that's what you've got to do this week. Um, stay tuned for a mini episode later on in the week. Not really sure what we're going to cover on our mini episode this week. So if you have any ideas, feel free to shoot us an email, info at dogspeak101.com, and let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you'd like to hear about. Uh, you know, it may take us a couple of weeks, but we would love to put together some podcasts that, that you guys are specifically wanting. So don't hesitate to send us an email and let us know. Be sure you like us on our Facebook page. Go to our website, dogspeak101.com. Um, and follow us on Instagram. We do have our Twitter account. I don't think that we're using it too much. We use Facebook and Instagram more, but feel free to just follow us everywhere and please share these podcasts. And if you're listening somewhere to where you can rate us, please do give us a rating. Uh, give us your opinion. If we're not doing a great job, let us know. Um, if you'd like to hear more or hear different things, let us know. Okay, We're here to educate you free of charge. 
Um, we just want you to share this, and we want to make as many Dog Speak geeks out there as possible. So get out there, share your knowledge, keep learning, uh, work with your dog, teach your dog those things that you want, help them become the best dog that they can be. And in turn, you need to be the best leader that you can be for them. So have a great week, Dog Speak Geeks. I will see you soon.